my name's Josh, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Church podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that, by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. If I look a little bit darker today, maybe there's some shadows, it's not because I got a great tan or because I'm going for mysterious vibe this morning. It's because when they painted, the light up there got knocked off kilter. So if we turn it on, it does a lovely job of illuminating that beam very nicely. So just so you know, that's what's going on. About two weeks ago, Father Jonathan talked about how the resurrection is the answer to our fears of living and dying. Last week, I talked about how the resurrection changes how we live now. In all of this, There is one thing we haven't really talked about, resurrection itself. Not Jesus' resurrection, hang on, we're going to get to that after Lent, I promise, but our resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. How do we know which ideas about the resurrection are right and which are wrong? What will the resurrection really look like? And do the details matter at all at this point? The other day, I saw a cartoon that was supposed to be depicting heaven. In it, two people wearing bathrobe-looking things were floating above a cloud. They each had wings, and one of them was holding a long, skinny trumpet. There was a sign in front of them planted firmly in the cloud. This is a telemarketer free zone. One of the bathroad people turns to the other and says, this is heaven. Okay, so all of it is just a joke about how irritating telemarketing can be. But what the cartoon showed me as heaven is often how we think of life after death, how it is portrayed in our culture. You know, when I was a kid, that's more or less how I understood the afterlife. I had some idea that after we died, we would be sort of spiritual beings, and we might have wings, which sounded cool, was kind of a fuzzy idea. We would go up to heaven, which would be some sort of glorious city, maybe in another dimension. Probably it would be built on clouds, and definitely it would have gold streets and big shining white houses for each person. And we'd have harps, wear white robes that looked sort of like this one, and we would spend all of our time singing worship music. I thought it would most likely be slow worship music. (laughs) To be honest, though I wouldn't have dared admit it because you're supposed to want to go to heaven, 
it sounded pretty boring to me as a kid. Why would I want to spend eternity singing slow worship songs while playing a harp on some clouds? Why was that anything to look forward to? As I got older and started reading the Bible more, I read the book of Revelation. From that book, I came to understand that we would actually live on the renewed, restored, and completely remade earth after Jesus' return. So far, so good. Instead of a city in the clouds, I realized it would be a city on the ground, and we would have physical bodies that would be resurrected versions of our dead ones, exactly the same. The Bible seemed pretty vague on that last point, so it just raised all sorts of questions about the mechanics of how that would work. What about the martyrs who were eaten by animals or burned or whatever? Mostly it didn't seem to make sense, so I kind of chose not to think about it. However, both of these ways of viewing the resurrection are wrong which may shock you, because you may have believed in one of them. Purely spiritual beings, white robes, clouds, harps, halos, that's the image ingrained in our culture. And the truth is, often we have a very incomplete and even wrong understanding of the resurrection. The ways I used to think about it are just a few of the ways we get it wrong. Think, how many times have you heard someone talk about becoming an angel after they die? Nope, that is not how it works. None of us will become angels. Angels are a whole different category of beings. Or have you ever heard someone talk about someone's spirit lingering to look after the ones they loved after they die? It's a very sweet thought, but also not how it works. So here's the question I want to address today. What will the resurrection really look like? It's a small question, don't worry, we got this. Now, to start, we're not the first Christians to be confused on that point. The Corinthian church was also really confused about this. You see, there were some among the Corinthians who thought that the bodies Christians would get in the resurrection would be purely spiritual, without any physicality at all. They believed that anything physical was evil. So our, re our perfected, resurrected bodies would have to be purely spiritual. Some even thought that they were already spiritually resurrected. And they would just eventually shed their physical body like a snake sheds its skin. What this meant practically was that they didn't believe their bodies mattered and they could do whatever they wanted with their bodies and do whatever they wanted, they did. That's why Paul is writing to them, to correct them. He doesn't just say, hey guys, you can believe that if you want, but it's probably not the best. What if we look at it this way instead? No, no. He blasts them 
for wandering into crazy false theology. He practically yells at them, fool, he writes, because it's wrong to think that resurrected Christians will only be spiritual. Paul's argument is that we will be both spiritual and physical when we are resurrected. He argues that like a plant grows from a seed, our resurrected bodies will be connected to our current bodies. Every oak is still an expansion of the acorn from which it grew. What's more, Paul talks about Jesus as the first fruits of the resurrection. That is, Jesus was the first one to rise from the dead in the eternal resurrection. So his resurrection tells us what ours will be like. We know that when Jesus rose from the dead, he had a physical body. When he appeared to Thomas, for example, he invited Thomas to touch him, to put his hand in the nail holes and in his side to make it clear that he, Jesus, was physically real and the same Jesus. Jesus maintained a physical body, the same physical body with nail holes and a side wound. So if he had a physical body, then so will we. At the same time, Paul doesn't suggest that our resurrected bodies will be exactly like our current bodies. He readily acknowledges that these bodies, the ones we have in this life, are frail, perishable, even dishonorable. In his seed metaphor, he makes it clear that though a connection is maintained, the resurrected body is also different, just like a plant is very different looking from the seed that it grows from. Every oak may be an expansion of the acorn from which it grew, but looking at an oak, you would never guess it grew from an acorn. Likewise, after Jesus rose from the dead, he was recognized by his followers most of the time. So we can know that our new bodies will be like our current ones. There will be some connection with our physical bodies now. But they will also be very different somehow. Then Paul takes the discussion in a different direction. He argues that the biggest difference between our bodies now and our coming resurrected bodies is that our bodies now live in the flesh. We still operate by the ways of this world, and we still battle sinful temptation and the desire to live according to our will instead of God's. Paul says that our resurrected bodies will be spiritual bodies, not in the sense that they are not physical, but in the sense that in them we will live completely in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Our will and desires will finally be completely sanctified. We will be aligned with God. As one Bible commentator puts it, in our resurrected beings, we will be completely moved by and in conformity with the Spirit of God. That's why Paul says our current bodies bear the image of Adam, the first man, while our resurrected bodies will bear the image of Jesus, the man from heaven. But what does all of that mean for you now? Why does it matter 
The first reason it matters is the same reason Paul wrote to the Corinthians about it. If we will be resurrected with physical bodies that are in some way connected to our current bodies, then what we do with our bodies now matters. Love your body. Enjoy it. Don't abuse, neglect, or mistreat it. Don't use it for sin. Don't hate it. It is a gift from God. Take care of your body. Feed it well. Exercise it and rest it. Your body is a gift from God, and in some way it will last into eternity. Your body is not evil, and the things you do with it now matter. But there's more than that. While your body now is not evil, it's also not the best you're going to get. Is your body hurting? Are you aging and aching? Are you losing the ability to do things you once could? Take heart. Your body will be renewed and remade. Are you sick? Take heart. Someday you will never again get sick. Are you unable to fully enjoy this body because of some physical limitations? Take heart. Have hope. You will someday have a body that is completely whole and able to do more than anybody on this side of eternity ever could. So at the beginning of this sermon, I asked three questions. How do we figure out which ideas about the resurrection are right and which are wrong? What will the resurrection really look like? And do the details matter at all at this point? Well, so far, we've figured out which ideas about the resurrection are right and which are wrong. Our resurrected bodies won't just be physical or spiritual. They will be both spiritual and physical. They will not be exactly the same as they are in this life. They will change. And since our resurrected bodies will be connected to our bodies as we have them now, what we do with our bodies now matters. We've also discovered that Paul makes it clear that details do matter now. He tore into the Corinthians because of their bad theology about the resurrection. What we believe about the resurrection matters now. So the last question, what will the resurrection actually look like? The answer is one of the most common, most important answers I have to theological questions, these really deep ones, you know. So listen carefully. I don't know. <laughs> and even more, anyone who tells you they can know, well, they're lying. We can't know in this life. When Paul talks about it, he talks about seeds growing into plants. That's pretty vague. How could someone who had only ever seen seeds imagine the magnificent plants they would grow into? And when you really think about it, it would be almost silly to assume our human minds could understand 
the plans of a God who created brains to begin with. And besides that, when we really seek the truth, it's a wonderful statement of trust in God to be able to say, at the end of the day, I don't know. But God has said this, and he is faithful and he is good. If he said it will happen, it will happen, and it will be good. One of my favorite ways of thinking about our resurrected bodies comes from a young adult novel that I first read many years ago, A Ring of Endless Light. In it, the main character, Vicki, and her family are living with her grandfather as he dies of leukemia. Each member of the family wrestles with their grandfather's impending death in their own way. At one point, Vicki and her little brother, Rob, have a conversation. Rob starts it. Vicki, there's probably lots of planets besides us with people on them, don't you think? She agrees that this is probably true. He continues, so maybe there's a planet somewhere where nobody has any eyes. Could be, I guess. Well, if nobody had any eyes, they'd all get along all right without them, wouldn't they? Sure, guess they'd compensate. They'd get along with hearing and smell and touch, but they wouldn't have any idea what anything looked like. I wasn't sure what he was driving at, but I knew that it was important to him. No, they wouldn't. And if someone from our planet went to the planet where no one had eyes and tried to describe something to them, the way rain looks falling on the ocean, or the lighthouse beam at night, or the sunrise, it couldn't be done, could it? He sounded anxious. I tried to understand. No, it, it wouldn't be possible. If you didn't have eyes, if you lived in a world of touch and sound, then nobody could tell you what anything looks like. Why, Rob? He pulled up another ottoman and sat, elbows on knees, chin in hands. Well, maybe when the people on the planet with no eyes die, then maybe they get sent to planets where there are eyes. But you couldn't tell them about it ahead of time. That's right. So maybe when we die, we'll get something as important as sight. But because we don't know what it is, nobody could tell us about it now any more than we could explain sight to people on a planet with no eyes. Like people from a planet with no eyes trying to understand sight, even if someone could explain it to us, we couldn't understand the resurrection or what our resurrected bodies will be like. We can't know or even imagine, but as Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. If God has promised that we will inherit the kingdom, and we cannot do so as we are now, perishable people, 
we can be confident that he will make us able to inherit it. He will make us imperishable. He will raise us from the dead in bodies that are made in the image of Jesus, free from any trace of sin, completely attuned to God, and beyond our wildest dreams. So, in preparation for the resurrection, take care of your bodies now. Rejoice in the hope of the certainty of the resurrection, and trust God that it will be even better than we can imagine. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.